Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks so much for being here today. Before I introduce this week's guest, I first wanted to remind you that if you are interested in the business of print design, and by that I mean as a freelancer in your side hustle, how to increase your income, increase your revenue using print design, not just as a tool in the toolbox and something you can do, but in terms when it comes to quoting and project management and wanting to know how to increase your revenue using that, head over to printdesignacademy.com for the free guide, the top three ways that you can do that. So let's get right to the guests because this was such an awesome conversation that I can't wait for you to hear it and I want to know what you think of this. Today, my guest is Asa Cook from Intertype Design out of London, England. He's a creative director, the founder, designer. He worked at DesignBridge for over 18 years. His career led him down the path of packaging design, and that is where we're diving into in this episode. We talk about early packaging design influences to him. We talk a little bit about whiskey packaging, talk about a university project that he just like went way above and beyond on. It was print-related. Um, then he tells us the first professional project that he ever created in the beer can and what all went into that and so much more. But the real home run swing in this episode is the deep dive. Now, you may have seen on Instagram this beautiful illustrated foiled embossed card deck. Um, it was a full set of playing cards. It said thank you on the box. And the story behind that is that it was actually a um, a fundraiser for the NHS, which is the National Health Service over in over in England and the UK there, and he wanted to do something for this, and his skill is packaging design. So he teamed up with a group of illustrators, he teamed up with a printer, and created this beautiful playing card deck and sold them to raise funds for the NHS and and the healthcare workers on the front line of this COVID fight. The story and and the detail that he went in, he he filmed the full production process as well. So even on his website, there's a video showing the production process. Um, just in, this is awesome. It was such a great conversation. I loved the stories that Asa shared, and I know you guys are going to love this. So let's get right to it, ladies and gentlemen. My guest today, Asa Cook. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Asa, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you, sir? Uh, good, thanks. Good to good to meet you, Dave. Yeah, definitely good to meet you too. It's your, I think you're eight hours ahead. Is it seven forty-five, eight o'clock there? Seven forty-five in the evening on a Friday night. Yes, I've just cracked open the wine. Yes, this I'm is afraid. how we do it. This is. <laughs> so I might, up, I might end up not making much sense towards the uh, end of the chat. I'm afraid. Halfway through the interview, it just takes a turn. 
exactly. It just goes downhill. Yeah. Sorry, I should be having like lunchtime beer or something here just to just to make you feel more comfortable. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, just crack one open and then, you know, we can get going. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so let's first start with the simple stuff. I want you to tell the listeners about yourself. Just give us a brief background on, on who you are, what you got cooking. Um, so my name's Asa Cook. Uh, I'm a creative director and company founder. Um, I was at DesignBridge for 18 years. So people may not have heard of DesignBridge, but it was the biggest independent design agency in the world, I think. Wow. Um, yeah, so we had um, offices in uh, New York, London, Shanghai, um, Singapore, Amsterdam, um, and we worked on like the world's biggest brands. So I was there for 18 years, and I was eight years as a creative director, and then just decided to kind of go it alone this January. So crazy year to, to choose, but, you know, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, crazy year to choose, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, so Asa, what is your, your earliest memory of print? Something maybe from your childhood, from your teens, maybe it's packaging or a magazine or something. What's your earliest memory of print? Well, I feel like I'll probably sound like I'm describing the film of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when I talk about this. Basically, I was, um, where I was brought up was kind of really rural and kind of in the middle of nowhere. And the, lo- the, the nearest store was like a mile walk. And I had to walk it, but you'd go down there to get your sweets and, you know, candy, I guess you guys would call it. But uh, I'd go down there and I'd get these bars of dairy milk, uh, chocolate, Cadbury over there. Yep. It's like, it's like our equivalent of Hershey's or whatever, I guess. Um, but they had these chocolate bars and they were foil, gold foil wrapped. Yep. And then on top of that, there was a paper wrap on top. And I just remember the experience of opening that as, as quite a young kid and being kind of obsessed with the actual finishes and materials and the gold foil and the, and the contrast of the paper texture alongside that, which sounds like a kind of strange thing to say, but I guess makes sense, you know, with what I turned out to, uh, to be doing. And, and also when I was a kid, we had, um, you know, obviously everybody knows Kellogg's, the brand, but we had these miniature uh, Kellogg's packs and so they were really kind of like dinky and kind of small format. And the proportion of the packaging was felt really important to me. Mm-hmm. So I guess those things, in com- in, those things in combination, you know, meant I was destined to be a packaging designer, I guess. <laughs> there you go. You didn't know it, but you started on that trajectory early. Exactly. Yeah, very early on. Perfect. Now, what about, what about recently, Asa? Has, has there been any recent interaction with print or packaging that you really enjoyed? Well, I went to um, China last October, and I was hoping it would be kind of a really inspirational trip. I was working in the Design Bridge studio over there um, for like a month. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I saw loads of things that kind of inspired me there. I ended up going, I traveled around quite a lot. I went to um, Shanghai, uh, and the bar culture there is amazing. Um, loads of the kind of packs um, behind the, the bar are things you've never seen before. I went to Beijing and then went down to Hong Kong and I went to this like um, kind of store where they had all these collectible whiskey bottles and it was a brand called um, Hibiki um, which I really loved their limited edition whiskey packs and there was all sorts of things as well that you've never heard of like Chinese rice wine and it was printed on this incredibly thick stock um, with really beautiful printing techniques so 
that was quite an inspirational, um, the whole thing was really inspirational. And a lot of that has kind of stayed in my mind and influenced um, a lot of the work that I'm doing now. Absolutely. You know, I've been privileged enough to sort of see some photos of some beautiful um, even Japanese whiskeys and things like that, but Chinese especially as well. Um, and the the beautiful packaging that is produced over yeah. there, um, especially in that, you know, high-end spirits world. Um, but man, to be able to see that and experience that in person, that would be amazing. Yeah, big time. And it's obviously, it's led to a kind of an expensive habit for collecting Japanese whiskey now. So uh, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a few of them in the cabinet. Um, but they're outrageously expensive. But yeah, so you get all these brilliant finishes and um, materials used uh, in the production of them. So yeah, that's you know all that really high-end luxury print really kind of appeals to me and influences a lot of what I do as well. You can definitely see why. My gosh. <laughs> so Asa, I've done through my career and through the Quickie Podcast, I have talked to you know, gosh, it's got to be three hundred plus graphic designers with all sorts of different specialties. But one thing they all agree on is that they love print and the tactile experience of print and and collecting, you know, beautiful packaging and print pieces. Why do you think that is? What makes print so special and sought after by designers, even if they're not producing it themselves? I feel like I'm gonna go like too deep here. <laughs> but Dive I guess, in. I guess the, the thing about all of us lot is that we as kids, we were good at art, right? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the main thing we were good at. And that's what we love to do. And that's what we got kind of credited. That's what we got credited for and rewarded for. And, you know, you, your parents would stick something up on the fridge and you'd, it'd made, make you feel kind of proud. And, <laughs> yes. you know, so, so there's a deep kind of like, um, oh, I guess kind of self-worth thing. <laughs> that sounds mega deep, but, I, you know, I'm kind of thinking out loud, but... There's, there's something really deep in you where that kind of physical connection to the surface and the material and the, uh, that create that thing that you've made is is part of you and part of your upbringing, I guess, a, a part of what gives you a, almost a sense of value or something. That must be the really deep thing about it. But I remember being a kid and being, you know, really into painting and oil painting and acrylic painting, and I'd like go to the hardware store and get, you know, house paints and then paint massive bits of wood or big canvases or walls or whatever and actually the the tactility and the smell and the the feel of the paint was a massively important part of it mm-hmm. so i guess it's just the follow-on from that so when i was doing that you know one of my most recent projects i was filming the mixing of the ink and even the printers are kind of going why are you filming this <laughs> And it's like because there's something so amazing about the the gold mixing in with that oil and 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 the the beauty in itself that's beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's part of the creation, and um, it's it's a kind of fetish or something that you develop very very early on, if that's the right word. Yeah, absolutely. I know exactly what you mean because literally yesterday I was filming ink mixing. <laughs> so right. that's, that's a coincidence. yeah i was um i'm well for print design academy which i run i was printing membership certificates we were making these beautiful letterpress printed membership certificates um with a couple of different colors on this beautiful paper then we added a foil for some of the special edition ones um 
And I wanted to film and document the whole process um, from the presses running to, and if you check out my Instagram, um, Print Design Academy Instagram, you'll see some of the little previews of that. But I definitely was filming ink mixing just yesterday because I thought that's part of the process and I I really want to put this together and put a visual to it. It's funny, I did the exact same thing. I posted um, these Instagram posts of the gold ink being mixed and the amount of people that that liked the picture. Um, And... Actually, if you go to um, intertypestudio.com, mm-hmm. there's a film. There's a film of the project um, that we'll hopefully we'll talk about later of the playing cards that we made, and it shows the whole process of um, of the printing from you know from start to finish, and it's obviously incredibly kind of complex and elaborate. And people that work in print will probably, you know, understand that much more. But people like my family or friends who saw the film were kind of shocked and amazed at the amount of attention to detail and, of, of, and and how much of the process is done by hand. I think people think that this stuff just exists. Um, but, you know, it, it, there's a lot of um, effort that has to go into making it. Yeah. It's a very analog it's a very analog process print. But, yeah, there's actually craftspeople that are going in and creating these beautiful, tangible things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they've got years, decades of, of skill that you can see if you film it you can see that skill awesome so i want to know go go back in history a little bit here for you asa i want to know what was the first print project that you were a part of the first one that you ever produced the first the very first one i mean are we talking student days or professional days um ooh, can i say both Okay, let's go both. So <laughs> the first one I remember that made me realize that I, I probably had a problem was when I was at uni. <laughs> I love how you identified <laughs> as a problem. <laughs> when I was at uni, um, we had a project to design a piece of print for a recruitment consultant that recruited for creative people. Mm-hmm. And I guess a lot of people like would have just done something sensible, like made a poster or something. Um, but I made a game that came in a box so it was like a series of cards and it was like it was almost like a game of snap but it was like lateral thinking snap so for the, the images didn't match but the meaning of the images matched so for instance if you think like uh, nuts and bolts for instance mm-hmm. uh, and so if you put the the nuts card down and someone put the bolts card down you'd say snap <laughs> got it and so it's like lateral, you know or like the birds and the bees or something someone puts the birds down someone puts the bees down and say snap anyway so that was kind of about the way that uh, creative people think laterally but i ended up making this box for it where i had to kind of like learn the process of building uh, a heavyweight card box and then wrapping it in another substrate yeah and um i you know it's like you have to kind of wet the thing with glue and then push that into the corners and and then if you do it perfectly, you get like a perfect friction fit between the section that slides out and, and the frame. Uh-huh. And I screen printed the, um, the box um, just in one color. But again, you kind of re- that, that's when I started to realize that design was so much more than the kind of digital. And um, it t- takes you back to those younger years of painting and drawing. And, you know, the smell of the ink, the texture of the ink on the surface, the tactility of it, that kind of thing. Um, and, and I remember the guy who um, ran the, the studio where you did the printing, who had, you know, decades of printing experience. When he saw how into it I was getting and how perfect I was trying to make it, 
he said to me, oh, you're going to be a packaging designer. And I was like, I hadn't even thought of it. So I, was, I said to him, no way, because I thought, you know, all the cool designers were like magazine designers or whatever, um, or identity brand designers. And um, he was right, because I, I loved the process. Okay, so this is a university project. And like, did you far exceed the scope of what this project was supposed to be? Like, did you yeah, blow exactly. everybody away? I mean, I, th- I think what I produced was, was great. I've not looked at it for for many years. It's probably like somewhere in the garage or something. But I think um, what I did turned out great, yeah, f- because I kind of pushed it beyond, you know, what was expected. That's incredible for like a university project and guys are showing up with simple posters and you show up with a bloody game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can imagine. So that's I mean, that's, when, that's what I mean by realizing you've got a problem because you have to kind of – take everything to the to the highest level you can you know yes yeah holy cow okay now professionally how are you going to top that well i was just going to say that my first um, proper professional print project was a beer can and um that's when i realized that like okay you, you go into this um industry because you, you like to create these amazing things. Mm-hmm. And then when you're working on a particular type of product, you realize that there are a lot of restrictions. Mm-hmm. And that's when you first start to kind of learn about, okay, so you've got, you know, trapping and you've got a limited number of colors and, you you know, pr- um, can printing is very difficult because um, you can't overprint colors onto each other because then one ink will contaminate the next ink well mm. and then the color, the color will change over time and 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 it's to do with the the machinery itself that causes yeah. that issue so i guess yeah that was my first professional print job and i kind of realized that it's harder than you think <laughs> i guess <laughs> it's very well making one one game in a box and doing it yourself and making it perfect but if you're going to do something on a massive scale you need to understand that the um the challenges associated with that, I guess. Yeah. And from what I understand, cause I don't have a whole lot of experience with printing directly on like the aluminum for can production. Um, mm-hmm. but it is definitely its own separate beast. It really is a different thing. Yeah. Um, so I kind of learned that the hard way with my first ever professional job. It was tenants lager, which is like the, the biggest lager in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Oh, so no pressure. Really... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we ended up with a design that won awards and um, it was a really, really nice one for the for the portfolio. So, yeah, it was good. That's awesome. So have you ever been a part of a project that didn't turn out as you'd hoped, didn't go well, went sideways? Can you tell us about that? I've definitely had a few, um, mainly down to designer error, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So um, like one memorable one is like, the whole artwork sign-off process is when somebody misses something. Yep. So I had a project where we were designing uh, posters for a charity called Plants for Life. Okay. And I had this idea where instead of the poster being like flat on the surface, the poster would be the texture of bark or the texture of, of a cactus, let's oh, say. Oh, cool. And then we'd wrap it around lampposts in urban areas or bins or anything around in an urban area where there weren't many plants around. And we'd turn those objects into trees or into cactuses, cacti. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, and so just that was it. It was almost like a kind of stunt 
that we were we were we were doing in the streets yeah. um, to to draw attention to this charity, basically. Um, and so the only payoff was that you saw the web address of the charity, and the idea was that you'd see that and then you'd be drawn in and you'd kind of want to check out what this charity did and all the real information you'd find out online. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, in the sign-off uh, process, I think somebody in the artwork um, team they must have made some sort of mistake when they when they used the file and the website address dropped off. Oh, one no. of them. Yeah, dropped off one of the posters. Yeah. So there was like there was like a set of like five of them, but one of the posters, you know. So you're supposed to the design has to sign off the 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 artwork, mm-hmm. and um, somebody signed it off without the web address on it. So that was the first time. So I was really junior at that stage, and that was the first time I kind of realised how important that part is. Yeah, the proofing process. Okay. Yeah, massively. Um, so that was a, yeah, massive error. So. So many questions with this one. How were you? How did you replicate bark and and cactus textures with this poster? Yeah, man, that was um, really tricky, actually. So there's a place in London called Kew Gardens, and they've got like all these amazing um, plant species. Mm-hmm. So we got in contact with a photographer and described what we wanted to do because we needed the whole poster to be like a 360 shot of a single tree. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of made it the photographer's problem <laughs> <laughs> and said, can you go down to Kew Gardens, can you come down to Kew Gardens with us? And, um, you know, is, is that doable? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I think so. So he basically did like a kind of, um, uh, like a joiner type photography style. Uh-huh. What's the artist, what's the artist called? Did joiner photography in like the sixties uh, or something. It'll come to me in a minute. Um, and he uh, he basically shot sections of the of the the trunk of the tree or the or the cacti, and then joined them together digitally. And we ended up with this flat image of that surface. Mm-hmm. So we could kind of recreate that in in three D. So was it done with a coating with extra like hand applied materials? Um. A coating? Did we have a coating? I think we, I think we had a varnish on the poster actually. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, it's a long time ago, so I'm really kind of casting my mind. But this is like 18 years ago or something. Um, so you, yeah, so we, we had like a varnish on the poster that made it feel more tactile. I think that, that reflected the surface of the of the plant. Got it. So so visually, it looked like there was some bark or cactus quality. And then this varnish or coating gave it another tactile element. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what what happened. Um, Got, it. Got it. So yeah, but a really, really good, a really very detailed macro photography on the on the whole poster. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice project actually. So these posters go up around town, and there's no website. Well, there was on four of them, but <laughs> 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 well, on like the fifth one, the fifth one didn't have the website. Um, but they got, they ended up being used for loads of things. Like they did workshops for kids where the kids made things out of the posters and, you know, made objects look like, look like plants and things. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're at the part of the show where I really want to do a deep dive here, um, into a project. And we first connected through Instagram when I saw a post, I can't quite remember if it was a shared post or directly yours just in a search 
um, but of this beautiful playing card set that not only visually looks incredible, um, with beautiful packaging design, beautiful foil, the cards themselves are like gilded around the edges, like an amazing piece, but it also had meaning behind it. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's what was so incredible to me is that it not only looked great, but it had this meaning behind it. So I run, I reached out to you and I really wanted to talk about this project on the show and, and what went into this and where the idea came from and, and selfishly, what did it cost to produce this thing? Well, thanks for your kind words about the project, by the way. That's, that's really nice uh, that you thought that when you saw that, because like, yeah, it was, it was a full on project, <laughs> actually yeah. really, really, te- really technically difficult as well. So basically what happened was, um, the whole, the whole thing came from a dream actually. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Nice. I like where this is starting. <laughs> um, I mean, wait, is this, guys, is this the point of the I show mean? where the wine kicks in? <laughs> That's probably what's happened, yeah. do, you, do you know what the nhs is because i always talk about it like people know what it is NHS. but i don't know if that's the, the nhs so we it's that that stands for the national health service yes yes yeah so in the uk like we have national health service and it's kind of a point of national pride because you know it's, it's a free service and we you know you pay your taxes for it but they you know they're amazing like I broke my jaw and snapped my knee and, you know, they rush you to hospital and mm-hmm. do surgery, fix you up and it's all free and, you know, really, really good. So, you know, this whole kind of COVID situation has been happening and a lot of people have kind of wanted to express their gratitude to the NHS because, you know, we're all spending more time at home and mm-hmm. they're still going to work and they're on the front line and they're in the most difficult situation and, you know, they're not always the best paid people in the world and they just mm-hmm. kind of get on with it. And so, um, you know, uh, there was a, we were just feeling a lot of gratitude for that, really. And there was this thing that this kind of movement that kicked off where everybody would go out on a Wednesday evening and just clap for, for one minute. And it was kind of coordinated. Yes. Yeah, at seven o'clock here, so, we did the same thing. All right, that's cool. No, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know it was kind of a global thing, actually. Yeah, because seven o'clock is usually like the shift change for healthcare workers. So yeah. for a long while, a good three months probably. Um, and in our little community here, we we had people outside playing bagpipes at seven o'clock. We had horns honking. <laughs> Kids are out there smashing drums and pans and stuff. So yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was awesome. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt that sense of gratitude, I guess. But I also felt a bit like I just wanted to do something. Yep. I felt a little bit like people were these people were doing something and that's why you felt this sense of gratitude for mm-hmm. them. And I thought, well, I want to do something. Um, but you know, what can you do when you're a graphic designer and you can't really help, you can't really help directly. And I thought, well, I don't know. I, I guess that was in the back of my mind. And then I had this dream where, um, I saw a kind of playing card and but on the playing card was a nurse and the nurse was mirrored like a playing card type design yeah and um i kind of woke up the next day. i didn't understand like why i'd had the dream or what it was about and i woke up the next day thinking why did i dream about that that's just a strange, <laughs> such a strange thing to dream about yeah and then it just and it kind of suddenly hit me that i needed to um create a deck of playing cards and the reason why was because 
it would be an expression of gratitude to these people and then they would it would have a value and i could sell it and then the money that i raised like you know i could use to kind of help them um so and i guess that kind of design you know appeals to me because it's often quite luxurious it's often beautifully crafted and it's a good kind of chance to kind of flex your skills and um execute something amazing mm-hmm. so you know there was that reason for it as well that i just wanted to do something i've probably always wanted to, to design a deck of cards and i suddenly had the kind of perfect excuse to do it so you know that's why the how the project came about i guess amazing so so this was a self-initiated project that you wanted to just raise funds to give back to help out to you know you know feel like you were doing more and 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 helping as as much you can using your sort of area of expertise yeah, that's all it was, really. I love that. And and, and I kind of, uh, and then I tried to kind of like rationalize why a deck of cards and um, or why I dreamt that. And I thought, oh, it's because it's for the kings and queens of the NHS. And I realized that the reason why I'd had the dream is because, you know, the the, the meaning and, and, and symbolism of deck, the deck of cards is because they're a royal suit, right? So... They're kind of these revered uh, members of society. They're the highest levels of society, right? Mm-hmm. But in, in the situation we were in, these NHS workers were the, were the highest level of society in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's why maybe those two um, images are kind of mixed. So I kind of called uh, – the first thing I did was I called an illustrator um, – who is incredibly world famous <laughs> and said, I had this idea it's to uh, raise money for the kings and queens of the NHS. And um, this person said, oh, my God, that's an amazing idea, but I don't have time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the fact that she said it was an amazing idea made me, it kind of encouraged me. You know, I thought, well, yeah, it wasn't just a crazy dream. It's like, this is a good idea. So I started to get in touch with some other people that I knew that were great illustrators. And... Um, said the same thing, you know, what if we did a deck of cards as a tribute to the kings and queens of the NHS? Mm-hmm. And um, I, to my amazement, after that kind of first, um, you know, knockback, pretty much everybody from that point on just said, yep, yeah, I'm in. That's you awesome. Know, they, they, so they wanted to express their, their, their gratitude. So, um, you know, then the ball really got rolling and I thought, oh yeah, this is doable. Because designing an entire deck of cards is a really lengthy process and Ooh. i was like you know I, I can't do it on my own yeah that's it's unbelievable so right now i'm looking at the pictures on your instagram and for those of you listening um you have to go to intertype studio on instagram and see the visuals of this thing it's just incredible um so let's get into a little bit of like the the production notes of this thing um, did you reach out to a printer that specializes in producing decks of cards or a letterpress printer that you knew, or was it a combination? How did you pick a vendor and how much did these things cost? Well, the, maybe I should have reached out to a specialist. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, that probably would have been the sensible thing. I did look at, I did have a quick look online at who prints the best playing cards and there were people that do it, but the volumes were kind of huge and, mm-hmm. I kind of thought, well, it's probably a no-go and it's probably too expensive. And, you know, a lot of them were in the U.S. as well. And I was here and I couldn't travel and everything. So 
Um, the first thing I did was call a printer who I know is amazing, who works in uh, kind of on smaller numbers. Mm-hmm. Everything's very kind of done by hand, and yeah, very I, I've, worked, I've worked with them things. to do. Yeah, well, basically, what you do, it's the kind of printer that you go to when you need to prove that something is doable before it then goes on press at a huge scale. Mm-hmm. So I'd printed a lot of whiskey labels and that kind of thing and whiskey boxes with them. Um, and um, so I just kind of called them up and I, I said the same thing that I said to the illustrators, which is, um, you know, I've got this idea to do a tribute to the kings and queens of the NHS and want to design this amazing deck of cards, but it has to be really high-end print. Mm-hmm because I want these things to have value and feel collectible and feel very high quality. And this guy's worked with me for so many years. He kind of understood how much of a nightmare I think that was going to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, you know, I was going to be very particular about the finishes and the, the, the production spec and everything. Yeah. Um, but God bless him to his credit. He just said, yeah, I'm in. And he, um, what he meant was I'll print this for free. Whoa, that's huge. Because, I, yeah, because I said like, you know, I can't. I, I'm doing this all. I'm spending all this time um, to do it, and I'm engaging all these artists to do it. Um, but it's going to cost a lot to print. And you just said, yeah, don't worry, we'll take care of it. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Okay, so that's a huge move. So, um. Because looking at this by the thing, way, I should name check these guys, by the way, because it was so incredibly generous. Um, LNS Print um, in London, in North London. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they gave all their time and all of their materials for, for nothing. Okay, so LNS Print, huge shout out. That's amazing. Um, and Illustrator, the, like Illustrators, did they, was everybody putting their time in for free into this project? Yeah, totally. So, so wow. they... Um, I know it's amazing. I mean, but for the illustrators, they were only designing one card each. Yeah. So I say I say only, but you know, it's still not easy. No. Um, but I think there was just this sense everybody just wanted to do something. That's cool. You know, they they just wanted to help. So um, everybody wanted to get involved and just give their time. So you've got this amazing team of illustrators giving their time. You're coordinating the project, giving your time. The printer steps up huge and. And just to put this into perspective, I mean, a printer donating a few digital print things that don't have a whole lot of costs involved for them other than time, like that's one thing. But this, looking at this thing, I know there's foil dies involved. There's some die cutting. There's like, gosh, there's so much as terms of costs from the printer standpoint in producing what they produced for you. And to step up like that, that's incredible. It really is amazing, isn't it? It costs them thousands, mm-hmm. thousands. And I understand why, as you say, like a lot of just materials had to go into it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was, it was, it was amazing what they did. That's great. Okay. Um, did you have, do you have any, did they give you any sort of inkling at all of what this could have cost had you had to order more and pay for it? <clears throat> Well, yeah, um, I, after we did the project, um, I said to them, if I wanted to do a reprint, um, if like say a, a brand stepped forward to sponsor a reprint because I wouldn't be able to do it, what would it cost? And it was somewhere between like six, 7,000 
um, pounds, which is like, you know, $9,000 or something. And for how many decks was that? Uh, 200 decks. 200 decks. Yeah. Okay, I really, so, I really quickly want to do the math on this because the math is not my strong point, but I feel like I'm going to be shocked by the number. So if I'm saying... Yeah, it's going to be shocking because the, because we sold them for less than the cost of the print, effectively. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it works out to, if it's like eight grand, call it, you know, US, um, that's $40 each for, for a deck of exactly. cards. Exactly, we... we and we sold some of them for forty-five pounds each, which is um, how much in dollars? So we we sold some of them like at more like than they cost to print, and some of them at less. Mm-hmm. And, um, and but, the funds but, just went back to the NHS. Exactly, but don't forget a lot of that cost is time as well. Yes. So, I mean, they. I mean, it was done in a day, um, but I went down there, and he. Basically, they weren't work at work because they couldn't work because of the whole, um, you know, social distancing and um, yep. thing. So just to, uh, they they basically invited the entire team in. There was like ten people working just that day. Wow. So they, you know, everybody did one step of the process each. So the, one of the huge costs involved was everybody's time. Time basically. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful piece. So. I, I just can't get over that they they donated that. So the like paper decisions when we're talking paper and finishing and you know this this visually has some foiling going on. How did you decide to use those elements? Well, I had a really clear picture in my mind of how it was going to be um, achieved, mm-hmm. and um, some of the stocks actually just on my desk. I just picked it up, um, and it was very clear how i wanted to do it but it was quite unconventional so the first thing i did was speak to the printer and say um i think it needs to be on a pre-dyed um stock uh-huh. um which is then overprinted and then foiled on top but i knew that what he was going to say which is that there was white in the design uh-huh. and so to print a white onto a pre-dyed stock which is dark blue is not going to work no that's tough yeah, so I had a I had a plan for that, and I was like, okay, we'll white foil it. Uh-huh. And he was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> because because we already had the gold foil, and registering the two foils was going to be a total nightmare, and it was going to cost a fortune, and you know, there was obviously some limits to um, their generosity, I guess. Um, and so I was like, okay. Will white screen print it? Uh, and he said no. <laughs> um, <laughs> he said we'll do a white stock, and then we'll print it blue. No, we'll, we'll print it blue, and we'll leave the white areas of the stock exposed. Yep. And I, and then we had a bit of a standoff, and I said no to that mm-hmm. because I knew that the visible edges of the box would be white. Yep. And, and my OCD designer brain couldn't handle it uh-huh. um so i basically insisted on the, the screen print plan and eventually he gave in so it's it's a massively complex process because it's like um litho printed with um two colors uh-huh. then it's litho cmyk and then the box is then um taken away 
Uh, there's gold as well, so that's another color. And the box is taken away and then screen printed in white. And then that's taken away and then foiled in gold. And then it's all hand assembled. And each um, of the 52 cards has to be picked out by hand, placed in a stack in the right order, and then put into the box by hand. So, you know, it's a very difficult process. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it looked amazing. So I'm really pleased with how it turned out. Yeah, like I, I can't stop looking at the box and just seeing all of the different elements and how it, how they all complement and work together and and how they register together so well. Yeah, registration is really. That's why you've got to be a very skillful printer to actually do it because the registration is so difficult. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I said to him at this at this point, like early on, I said I want the edges of of the cards to be gold. Um, at least on some of the packs. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, that's the one thing we just can't do it. We can't do it. Um, but he said, I can put you in touch with someone who can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found this company that, that could do it, um, but they were all like furloughed and at home and they couldn't go in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they passed me on to somebody else who, who said he could do it. So that cost me £100 to do 10 packs mm-hmm. that I paid for myself. Yeah, well worth just it. Just because, because I that's just incredible. To yeah, and you know that that part of it for me is really. I've always wanted to print to do that in print, and I've never done it before. So it just was kind of a, a bit of a, an ambition achieved, I guess. That's cool. Definitely like that. So when we had first started talking, or just before I hit record here, you had mentioned that there were some some file hiccups in the in the setup of this to the printer. Is that right? Yeah, basically, like I um, when I when I designed because I designed the actual box myself yep. and the backs of the cards um, myself. I mm-hmm. I thought that I was like, and I knew that I wanted the white screen print on top, so I put my white layer on top, and I knew that I was overprinting the substrate in blue, and um, you know. I knew that the the foiling was a separate plate and everything. So I kind of like layered my files really carefully and I thought I was being really neat and tidy uh, about the whole thing. But I'm not an art worker, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a designer. So I don't, I've never done an artwork before. Yeah, so you're doing uh, the work I, and then usually you would pass it on to somebody who's yeah, you know I mean, a production designer and they'll do the layering yeah, and they'll exactly. set it up for the printer. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I'm, um, you know, I couldn't afford somebody to do that. Um, usually, obviously, in a design project, I would always do that. Um, so I just tried to do it myself. And it was the first time I'd ever done it. And I was feeling all proud because I was like, yes, <laughs> I've, done a, <laughs> I've done an artwork file. Like, it's not that hard. And then I sent it to the to their guys. And they were like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Um, who did this? Um, well, I did it myself. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's, it's a mess. I was like, okay. So they, they said they cleaned it up a lot mm-hmm. um, on my behalf. Um, but yeah, we got there in the end. So I kind of half did my first artwork. Beautiful. So did they give you any sort of details on, on why it was not set up the way they needed it? I think basically what I'd done was I'd, I'd layered it all well um but there was kind of like um, lots of kind of invisible kind of mess. So, you know, some vector points that weren't deleted and 
um, it wasn't laid out to, to the sheet, you know, to the size of the sheet and yeah. um, in the optimal way. So they had to reposition everything. Mm-hmm. Um, just things like that. Just kind of, I say just things like that, like it's nothing. Um, <laughs> because you know, to, my, to my designer brain, you know, that's, that's just detail. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's complex. So then you went in and you did some press checks of this thing. Um, I'm guessing just by like the ink mixing video, you were there on site for press checks. That's the thing. So they um, said, oh, do you want us to go ahead and print um, without you? You know, because it's pretty clear what you want and, you know, we figured it all out. And just from experience, I kind of thought, well, I need to go down. I need to go down there, really. Mm-hmm. And I was really, really glad that I did. Um, so, yeah, there was a whole uh, checking process um, from social distance with lots of hand sanitizing. Yeah, lots of hand sanitizing. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love um, Yeah, so I filmed the whole thing. You know, I thought, well, one thing I thought is it's so amazing these guys are putting their time in for free. I kind of wanted to document it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to see how amazing what they do is. Because to them, it's just another day at work, I guess. But yep. I wanted to make a film that they could be proud of as well and look back and go, oh, God, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we are skilled. And we're, it is amazing what we do. Um, so that was almost my gift back to them in a way. Um, was to document it, edit it together, mm-hmm. and then, you know, with a soundtrack and a voiceover and everything. And um, it, it looks pretty amazing, actually. And that's one thing that people who see the project, when they see the video, and again, shameless plug, if you go to intertypestudio.com, you can watch the film. Good, I was going to ask. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but if yeah, there's a, like, a, uh, we have a whole uh, page of the website called cards and you can look at the playing cards and watch the film mm-hmm. um and that's something that people are really blown away by is the depth you know that we went into with the production and what an amazing job the printers do because you don't normally see that kind of behind the scenes um aspect of it mm-hmm. well I can't, I can't i'm excited to look at that video and watch that process um so thank you for diving deep into this this project you know just to wrap that one up what, um, how much did you end up donating based on the development of this project? Um, which, uh, just over a little bit over 5,200 pounds. Um, awesome. so yeah, we didn't, we, you know, we had a kind of reasonable, um, price for the cards in mind. I mean, 25 pounds was the minimum price for a deck and someone paid maximum 55 for a deck of cards, that's a lot of money. You know, for people for the think, deck of cards like yours, that seems cheap. No, yeah, no, it does. It does seem cheap. It does seem cheap when you know what went, what went into it. Yeah. But I guess if you're used to going into a store and buying a deck of cards for like two quid. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, fifty quid is quite a lot. Yeah. Um. So it was quite a kind of niche audience, I guess. But maybe I should have charged more because people were like. In the first four days, ninety odd percent of the stock had sold out. Yeah, people were messaging me saying, and they still message me now, saying, "Have you got any more of these cards? You know, and I, I need these cards." And there's like this whole kind of underworld of card collectors that I didn't know about, who are obsessive about getting rare cards. Mm-hmm. And the gold edge deck, there was only ten packs, so in the world, you know, that's kind of quite rare. Um, so there was a lot of people wanting those a lot of people direct messaging me and texting me and saying i need some of those gold packs and i was like sorry they're all gone 
they all went in like the first half an hour. Yeah. So I guess I, I guess I probably underpriced them a little bit, but I only had like 300 Instagram followers, so I, I never imagined that I would be able to sell, you know, decks of card for 50 pounds. Yeah. Immediately, I just mm-hmm. didn't think people would. I, I didn't know that people were going to buy them. And, and I so. think what we're touching on here is also is what makes print so special and so unique is that it's it's limited. No matter what it is, it's limited. Mm-hmm whether it's a, a beautiful packaging piece like you put together or a brochure, a really nice brochure for a university, like there's only so many copies, tangible copies of that. So if you re- receive yeah. one, if you're able to buy one or get one, it feels a little bit special as the recipient of that because there's only so many of these and I'm one of the people that get one. And that's a massive reason why I'm a, uh, I work in packaging design, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So to, you know, to go back to those kind of childhood memories – um my dad spent a lot of time in france when i was a kid so i used to go over there a lot mm-hmm. and there was one, one of his um friends had this um like billiards room in his house and he collected beer bottles so the whole kind of walls of the room were lined with these beer bottles and I remember seeing that as a kid and kind of you realize when you work in, in in what we do that people keep it and collect it and it kind of lasts for a really long time yep and and as you say, because because it has a sense of value and it's limited, there's, it's only ever going to exist, you know, uh, and it'll get re- redesigned one day. You know, that beer label will be gone anyway. Um, so people collect that stuff. And that, to me, is kind of really appealing is to, to design things that aren't just disposable, you know, that last, um, you know, beyond even how, however long we're, we're going to last. 100%. Again, kind of going to a kind of very deep place there but there's a sense of kind of leaving something behind i think about it when you design a really super premium whiskey bottle or gin bottle or something it's always going to have existed and people are always going to hang on to it you know absolutely you know you hit the nail on the head there it just has longevity to it so from from your dream on this project to holding a finished deck in your hands what Mm -hmm. what is that timeline like it was quite short, actually. I, I, I think it was probably to having to having a finished deck that was ready to sell in my hand was probably six weeks from from the dream to having the deck in my hand. Whoa! Design that seems yeah. fast. It was fast, yeah. Because I thought, okay, I'm, put, I'm putting so much into this. Everyone's putting so much in. I can't do it forever, and I just really tried to work fast. I worked really long hours, like really hard, um, to, to make it happen. Uh-huh. The actual the actual part I did the cards uh, the backs of the cards and the deck itself was probably like twelve days design or something like that solid maybe ten to twelve days but then the rest of it was overseeing the artists and then you know liaising with the printer and doing the kind of the, the print side of it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Six weeks, yeah. That's that's lightning quick. Well, I was kind of aware as well that, you know, I didn't want the kind of, um, I didn't, I didn't, nobody knew how, how long this whole COVID thing was going to last. Yep. So I didn't want this, that sense of gratitude to fade or I wanted to kind of it to be available while we were still in, in this situation. Mm-hmm. But then in the future to act as a memento of the time to, to kind of look back on and, re- and remember what was happening really. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, Asa, what advice 
would you give a designer who wants to get into print, wants to get into print design or packaging design? Where, where should they start? What should they do? I mean, it depends on what stage of your career you're at, really. But if you're kind of um, in education, I'd say, you know, go to a university that still has those um, more physical processes available, like that does screen printing, that does letterpress. It's getting harder yeah. and harder to find. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know if they still exist, but that was kind of one of the things that appealed to me about my university is they still had uh, letterpress facilities and screen printing and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'd quite like to learn that. So, you know, digital side of design is one thing. And then obviously everybody thinks that's the future. And, and you know, it is. But physical stuff is still going to exist, you know, yes. and, and, and people still need to be able to design it. And it's and it's, it has its own technical challenges you know to do something good mm-hmm. so i'd say you know go to a university that still teaches that if, if that's what you're into um but if you're at you know going beyond that try to go to a place if that's what you're into try and go to a place that produces beautiful things and then you know learn from other people about how it's done i mm-hmm. guess but even people that are in design agencies young designers you know there's a place in um in London, in in East London, in Shoreditch, called New North Press, and they you can pay to go for a day and do letterpress. That's cool. So you can you can make your own run of limited edition letterpress posters, and it's not that expensive. And they they, they do it with you and teach you how to do it at the same time. So it's going to cost you money, but at the same time, you'll end up with something of value. You know, that's limited edition that you can keep. You can sell on. You know. Um, and you probably recoup the, all the money that you that you spent learning how to do it. So you should book yourself onto one of those courses um, and, and really learn just one of those aspects of print. Obviously, there's a million different aspects of print, but mm-hmm. just one of those really analog, physical, hands-on days of printing is, is great fun. Definitely. That's a great one. That's such a cool place that they have that where you can go and just basically you know, rent the time and be trained at the same time yeah it's awesome that's cool really brilliant place and they've got all the original typefaces and all the racks of type and everything and all the amazing like presses that weigh about three tons you know <laughs> with like ornate ornate you know iron eagles on the top of them and things yeah exactly iron eagles nice <laughs> Um, so Asa, we're at the point of the show here for the ask the audience question. This is where, you know, we've got this audience of graphic designers. Some of them have been involved in print. Some of them are just on the outside looking in. Um, they're curious. They love learning. What, this is an opportunity for you to ask this group of designers a question. It doesn't have to be print related, but they're, they're just eager to learn and, and interested in hearing stories. Um, so what kind of question or what question would you like to ask them? That's tough. Um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to, to for them to tell me like what their um, like favorite pieces of print are. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess if there's a kind of generation out there that are coming through, you know, what is it that they are drawn to? Because we're kind of always told, you know, learning in marketing about this generation of um, Gen Z who live their lives online. I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to know, like, is does that world of print have 
a draw to them? And if so, what is that and, and why? Which is a very uh, difficult question, obviously. But, you know, what, what aspects of um, print are they drawn to? Yeah. What because you, What is your favorite piece yeah. of print? I love that one. Yeah, exactly. Or is this, you know, uh, a particular thing, a particular pack or um, something which really represents that uh, sense of quality to you? Mm-hmm. I love it. Asa, I'm going to ask the audience that question when this episode goes up. Man, I don't want to do this, but we've reached the end of the Print Design Podcast. So thank you so much for your time. This has just been incredible. I feel like I've talked way too much. So That's the point. <laughs> get, That's the point. Once you get going, once you get going <laughs> it's hard to stop. Yeah, exactly. This has been awesome. Great getting to know you more and hearing a bit more about Intertype and about this incredible project that you did. This has just been awesome. Oh, thanks. Good to speak to you too. All right, everybody, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and hanging around with us. If you want to see the production video of this beautiful card deck, head over to intertypestudio.com and you can see it all there. We will be sharing some pictures of this piece shortly on our Instagram so you can get a look at those. And as always, if you are digging what you're hearing here on the Print Design Podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this and leave a rating or a review or and a review. Let's go both. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much again and catch you next week.